this last week has been like watching, uh, well, in fact, the last few weeks has been like watching in slow motion a horrendous car crash that is about to take place. I was aware of the Western press and the general pessimism among the embassy staff that war was going to happen. And yet, like most of us, we read, we read in the Russian media that war was unthinkable, especially... Sorry, is there a... Sorry, thank you. I think I'd turn this thank you down very much. I'm just saying, I'll repeat that. I was aware in the Western press and the general pessimism among the embassy staff that war was going to happen. And yet, like most of us, we read in the Russian media that war was unthinkable, let alone war with Ukraine. And yet, four days ago, the unthinkable happened and war began. And it does seem that a great darkness politically, economically, and spiritually, is descending on Ukraine and on Russia. Many, many have spoken of their shock and disbelief at what has happened. Many, and again it is many, have spoken often with tears of a sense of shame that this is being done in their name. And there is fear. There is fear among those in the foreign community. There is fear among those who have made this their home. And there is fear among those for whom this has always been home. What will happen? How will we survive sanctions and global exclusion? Will it all go out of control? Will a new impenetrable iron curtain descend? How will we ever be able to travel overseas? And of course, there are many other questions. Of course, I have no answers. I've realized that my new stock answer to virtually anything at the moment is, I don't know. But this morning, I do want to speak of something that I do know. I want to remind us of our Christian hope. At the end of last year, I learned what we call the Benedictus. The Benedictus is the Latin for uh, the word, it mean, and means, the, means blessed. Um, it, 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 we, we, it's, it's a prayer, it, it's, a, it's a hymn that we say uh, daily in our morning prayer, and it is the words which we have just heard in our gospel. And uh, this is, I, I learnt it, it actually takes quite a bit of work learning this one because it's really rather complicated, but it's worth it. And I've been living with this and praying this often in the early morning hours when I've been awake and not able to sleep. They're the words of Zechariah. He has just been told by an angel that Elizabeth and he are going to have a child. It wouldn't be an ordinary child. This child, his name was to be John, would be consecrated to God from birth. He would be a preacher and he would turn people to God. His preaching would inspire parents to love their children, to turn the hearts of parents to their children. 
And he would inspire people who had rebelled against God to realise the wisdom of following God's ways. To turn the disobedient of the wisdom to the righteous is what we're told uh, by the angel, what the angel tells Zechariah. He would be a prophet, like the great prophet Elijah of days of old, and he would prepare the way for the coming Messiah, for the coming King, for the Son of God. But Zechariah didn't believe it. He pointed out to the angel that both Elizabeth, his wife, and he were far too old to have children. And so the angel tells him that because he did not receive the word of God, he will be silent until the baby is born. We move on nine months. Elizabeth has given birth to a baby boy. Zechariah has been dumb. The baby is named John. And then Zechariah speaks. And the first thing that he does is to proclaim these words, to proclaim this remarkable hymn, to proclaim the praise of God. It's primarily a hymn praising God for the coming Messiah. He has raised up, we're told, a mighty saviour from the house of his servant David. And this mighty saviour will save us from our enemies, from the hands of those who hate us. Of course, the people listening to John would have heard this in a political sense. They thought that the Messiah would come and would expel the Roman occupying force and establish the kingdom of God in Israel. And in one sense they are right, this is political. One day, King Jesus will establish the kingdom of God a kingdom of peace and of righteousness and of justice. But they were wrong. Jesus had not come to expel the Romans. What we're talking about here is something that is trans-political, something that is bigger than political. You see, our real enemies are not flesh and blood. They're not political rulers or people of another nation. They are not the West or Russia. That's what Paul says, for our struggle is not against enemies of blood and flesh, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers of this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. And Jesus defeated those forces of evil, not by getting an army and crushing his enemy by force, not by blood taken, but by blood given. He defeated our true enemy, the devil, with all his pride and bitterness and lies and rebellion and lust and fear and cruelty. He defeated him by obedience and sacrifice and truth and service and love. He defeated the devil, he defeated sin and death by standing firm and resisting everything that Satan threw at him. And by going to the cross and dying for this world and dying for us. Do you know this country has seen that sort of self-sacrificial love for the sake of Christ? Those of you who are Russian need never, never be ashamed of being Russian. I think I'm quite Dostoevsky here. 
But the foundation of greatness of any nation does not lie in its size and territorial borders, nor does it lie with its military might or armies. Most nations play that game. And when we glory in our physical or military power, then we glory in our shame. No, the glory of this country, well, there are many glories, but the glory I'm wanting to mention today is the red river of blood of the martyrs of the countless men and women of the last century who, together with believers from Ukraine, were faithful in their obedience to Christ and in their love of neighbour for his sake, in the face of terrible persecution, even to death. Nobody knows what the future holds for Ukraine, for this nation, for the world. But we as Christians are called to follow our mighty Saviour who conquered through love and self-sacrifice and obedience to God even in the face of overwhelming suffering. We have a mighty Saviour who has set us free from our enemy. And this mighty Saviour has set us free to worship without fear, to set us free to worship him without fear, holy and righteous, all the days of our life. Zechariah speaks of freedom to worship, of freedom to serve. When Moses went to Pharaoh to plead for the enslaved children of Israel, he did not simply say, God says, let my people go. In fact, he said to Pharaoh, God says, let my people go so that they can worship me. Read it, it comes time and time again. And the first thing that the people of Israel did when they came out of slavery and crossed the Red Sea was to go to Mount Sinai, and there they worshipped God. What we worship is at the centre of our lives. We may worship many things, money, stuff, power, sex, work, status, popularity, technology, pleasure, another person. The problem is that if we worship those things, however good they may be, if we put them at the centre of our lives, then we will always be controlled by fear. What will happen if no, what will happen when I lose those gods? And yes, we will lose them. We will lose our freedom, our loves, our lives. But there is no fear when we put God at the centre of our lives in the worship of God. You see, then we dedicate we give our lives to the one who loves us, who wants the very best for us, not just here, but for all eternity. And he can never be taken away from us. What can separate us from the love of God? Exclusion from Swift or Facebook 
Will hardship or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. That's what Paul says in Romans chapter 8 verse 35, although he doesn't actually mention Swift or Facebook. (laughs) And this mighty saviour has the power to forgive us our sins. You will go before the Lord to prepare his way, to give his people knowledge of salvation by the forgiveness of all their sins. I am, for the sake of time, going to be brief. This could be a whole sermon just on this section. But the kingdom of this mighty Saviour is not built on revenge, but on forgiveness. I stand before you as a forgiven sinner. You are here in front of me as forgiven sinners. It is only when we realise that we have been forgiven that we can begin to forgive. That is the beginning of reconciliation and peace. And this mighty Saviour has the power to bring bring peace. The dawn from on high will break upon us and shine on those who live in darkness and the shadow of death and will guide our feet into the way of peace. Do you notice how Zechariah speaks in this hymn as if God has already done everything? And you might say, hang on a minute, Zechariah, all you're doing is looking at your baby John, who you've been told is a forerunner of the Messiah. But throughout this passage, throughout this hymn, Zechariah having disbelieved God, now has an utter conviction that God's word will come true, that this will happen. He is so convinced of it, he speaks of it as if it has already happened. I spoke earlier about a darkness that has come and is coming on these lands. But it is not the last word there will be a new dawn. There will be a new dawn for the people of Ukraine. There will be a new dawn for the people of Russia. In the Lord of the Rings, the people are besieged in the city. A message arrives and tells them to look to the east, to look to the dawn. And on the morning of the third day, Gandalf the White, if you've seen the film, it's very dramatic, Gandalf the White, who they thought was dead, rides over the hill. He comes to rescue them. Look to the east for the dawn. Today may be like Good Friday, but Easter is coming. Our mighty Saviour went into death but he was raised from the dead. He will, not only then, but also now, guide our feet into the way of peace. And this is our hope.